Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific stocks are trending lower this morning, taking their cue from Nasdaq, which closed lower overnight. Seoul down 0.9%, Tokyo and Sydney in the red as well, while tech stocks finish lower in the US. Asian investors this morning are setting aside another record close for the Dow. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. How are you doing this uh, Wednesday morning, Ryan Huang? Happy hump day, Michelle. Uh, That's what it is. All right. Makes sense now. Uh, On the show yesterday, we talked about two prominent tech companies. uh, One American, the other Chinese. Both start with the letter A. I'll let you ponder that for a moment. While noting that we're going to take a look at these stocks again this morning. But from another perspective, through the eyes of two of the world's most prominent investors, Warren Buffett and his right-hand man, Charlie Munger. The companies in question are Apple and Alibaba. We'll share Buffett and Munger's take on these stocks in a moment. But first, a recap about the overall market attitude towards these tech giants. So Ryan, between Apple and Alibaba, one is hot, one is not. Which is which? I would go with Apple as hotter because they are at the door of the $3 trillion club. So that is just of a really hot year and I think 2022 is going to be just the same. More upside for Apple with all the products that has been um, talking about and likely to release. Uh, Not so hot for uh, Alibaba. That's of the backdrop of the crackdown in China and also possibly a slowdown in China as well. So a couple of headwinds for Alibaba, but not so much for Apple, which is seeing quite a strong uh, momentum. Yeah, Apple shares lost ground overnight. Uh, They closed $179.35, down about 19%. Alibaba shares seem to keep falling as worries about delisting concerns grow. Now, uh, they're dropping a bit further in after-hours trade, Mm. Apple shares, that is. uh, The company's market cap rests just below the $3 trillion threshold. Apple, the world's first company to top that mark, shares up 37% over the past year. And that rise has been mighty profitable for Warren Buffett. So just how much has the Oracle of Omaha made on his Apple investments? Yeah, we've got to take into context the drop last night with how all tech stocks pretty much dropped. So this is alongside mm-hmm. other tech stocks and maybe a bit of profit taking after the strong run recently for Apple. Uh, but it's been a strong run for many years for Apple and that has helped Warren Buffett make more money than he already has. So much so he has more than $120 billion Mm. at his paper gains um, just by investing in Apple. So he's been buying Apple stocks since 2016. And by 2018, he had around 5% ownership of Apple. And that at that stage was around $36 billion. And then fast forward to now, it's worth $160 billion. So he is sitting quite pretty right now. Certainly a strong investment for Berkshire in the last decade. And while Buffett's purchase of Apple shares has paid off, it's not typical of the type of investments that he usually makes. In fact, you could say it's kind of out of character, right? Yeah, some would have called him a boring old man in older days. <laughs> but he seems to be adapting to changes quite well. And you might have known how he invested in the past. Um, no, just stick to the try and tested, the boring old names, the dividend players, um, and stay away from the fancy ones, the ones that you might not know a lot about, or at least what he doesn't know a lot about. And at that time, it was technology. So he was 
famously um, staying away from the likes of IBM, the likes of Google, uh, but he has started to take a liking to Apple. So that has seen him grown more comfortable with the business, so much so that Apple as a stock is the, what he calls, Berkshire Hathaway's third business after mm. insurance and after railroads. It's that big in its portfolio. Certainly seems to be shedding his aversion to tech stocks. All right, let's turn to Alibaba now. As you mentioned earlier, the company is on the outs. Its share price down 50% over the past year and its shares are facing further selling pressure amid concerns that it may be forced to delist from the New York Stock Exchange. However, where you see some blood in the markets, others see opportunity. Take Charlie Munger, for example. What is his take on China's e-commerce giant, Ryan? Yeah, it looks like uh, maybe a bit of a contrarian here. Mm. Um, So he is doubling down by doubling his shares in Alibaba. So what we have here is a report that he is now holding on to 602,060 ADRs in Alibaba as of the end of 2021. And that is up from 302,060 as of the end of September. So in the space of a quarter, he has doubled his shareholding. Look at that. Next up, Ryan, let's turn to two local stocks. The first has to do with SPACs, the blank check special purpose acquisition companies. There is news that there could be news that there could be several SPAC listings here in Singapore in the near future. A couple of headlines leaked over the holidays. Another one out yesterday. What's the latest? Yeah, so number three, it seems, will be Novo Telus Capital Partners. And they are the latest to get the green light for a possible local spec listing. So it Mm. is getting quite exciting here on the spec front. So according to reports, they are planning to raise $150 million to $200 million from an IPO. Um, And they could be following their preliminary prospectus this month. But the thing is, it's still ongoing discussions and these details and timing could change. Uh, So the other two that have already gotten a green light are Tomasek's Vertex Venture Holdings and also European Asset Manager Tekahal Capital. So these two, uh, these, these three will be uh, ones to watch on the spec front. And the hope, of course, is that they boost listing volumes here in Singapore. Next up is the high-profile REITs merger of Maple Tree Commercial Trust and Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust. MCT was the worst performer among STI constituents yesterday for the second straight session. Why aren't investors bullish on this merger? Yeah, I was hoping for a quiet year end for 2021 <laughs> and they had to announce it on the last day. So a mega merger for the two REITs um, but one side not too happy and that is the side of Maple Tree Commercial Trust. So much so that on Monday, right after the announcement, after the trading halt was released, uh, its share price, MCT, was down 4%. And it continued to be under pressure, just showing how investors are just not liking the deal enough. So this is with the view from some uh, investors at least that it's uh, well, not a win-win deal for MCT investors. And some of them have been talking about how um, it, what that means is when you merge with MNACT, um, which has assets in Hong Kong and China, it increases, in a way, the risk exposure to MCT shareholders, which is a pure play Singapore uh, um, property com- uh, REIT. So that changes the um, DNA, in a way, um, of the risk appetite that investors may be willing to take. So it does change it from that perspective. Um, and also, 
MNACT, Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust, has a much higher gearing according to some of their views. And it has also underperformed versus, or at least relative to Maple Tree Commercial Trust. So in that way, they feel that merger is going to be a bit of a trade-off for them to take on. So something that's been weighing on MCT. But conversely, it's been pushing up the prices of Maple Tree North Asia Commercial Trust. Yeah, let's look at the difference in the annualized total return. MCT, 12.9% in about five years. And in that same period, MNACT struggling with underperforming assets. Annualized total return of 9.9% in contrast. Next up, the high profile um, from the REIT merger, MCT and MNACT, which we're probably going to be talking about for a while. Yesterday, we talked about the outlook for financial markets in the year ahead, Ryan. And I asked you which side you thought would win out, the bulls or the bears. And, and Ryan said, in case you weren't listening yesterday, you said Buffalo. Uh, you said you thought stocks are likely to end the year in the green, but not with the size gains that we saw back in 2021. Well, today I want to turn to other assets and pick your brain, Ryan, to see what analysts are saying and where you think the best investments could lie. So let's start with currencies. U.S. interest rates forecast to rise this year. Do analysts expect the U.S. dollar to strengthen along with them? Yeah, so the caveat here is many analysts were actually expecting last year the U.S. dollar to be weaker, but it surprised everyone and got stronger than what everyone was expecting. And mm. I think this year it's going to be the same. The momentum will continue and that will be off the back of a couple of factors. You've got the status of the U.S. dollar as a bit of a safe haven currency. So when you've got all these issues in the background, that could see some support for the currency. And also you've got a recovering U.S. economy. Jobs are coming back. You've got growth coming back. So that will also give some support to the currency. And then plus, you've got the potential rate hikes coming soon. And that will also provide more support. So you've got all the ducks lined up for a stronger US dollar. All right, how about the yen? In 2021, the Japanese currency experienced its biggest slump against the greenback in seven years. I hear, though, that yen bulls are predicting a turnaround. Why is that? Yeah, this is interesting, right? So this will be relative to the US dollar. And if you take into account what the yen performance has been in the past few years, it has been on a slump. And in fact, we just saw it seeing or recording its biggest annual slump versus the US dollar in seven years. So the thing here is the view may be that the yen may have been already pricing in what would have happened this year. So investors or traders just forecasting and um, going ahead with that forecast to price in that drop. So it could be a case of what they call buy the rumor and sell the fact. So the action has already taken. So when it actually happens, the fundamental news at least, uh, that will start to unwind. So something that could see that turning point like you pointed out for the yen to mm. actually see a bit of strength. Let's turn to commodities, Ryan, because most commodities had a great year in 2021. The S&P Commodities Index, the S&P GCSI, rose, GSCI I should say, rose about 35% last year. What is 2022 looking like for this sector? So if we are looking at commodities, um, that is going to be something to keep track of because of the inflationary pressure. So that has seen um, a lot of upside for commodities across the board. And if you look at how some of these um, pressures are uh, likely to continue, for example, energy prices, uh, we are seeing 
Um, the demand still quite rosy, at least in terms of outlook. You've got OPEC saying that the demand will still be there despite the Omicron variant. Um, that is likely to see the support coming through from activity as recovery for economies return as well. So that will mean more demand. And as economies recover, that will likely mean more demand for other commodities as well. So that is something that will provide a rising tide for commodities as um, we see the year unfold. If we look more specifically at oil, we see the OPEC plus nations pledging to increase production gradually. Yesterday, the group said it would add 400,000 barrels per day in February. Brent crude trading back at 80 US dollars a barrel. West Texas crude not far behind. What is the outlook for oil? Yeah. Oil is looking pretty okay for now. Uh, like you pointed out, four hundred thousand dollars or four hundred thousand barrels per day next month. Uh, they have not outlined anything for the coming month, so that kind of gives them an indication of um, the flexibility they are still holding on to uh, that they might change their minds later on but for now they seem to be bowing to pressure from the US to increase supply Mm -hmm. Um, this is of the um, hope that prices will remain stable and not go up too high and derail the um, recovery for the global economy there's also the other factor to take into account that if prices go too high too fast uh, it could just attract more U.S. shale oil companies back online. And that could then compete with the oil producers in the OPEC cartel. So that is not something they want. So they are really calibrating this increase in prices quite gradually and watching it very carefully that you know, it has to be at a sweet point, not too high and not too low, uh, and also just gradually increasing production so that the OPEC members can get revenues from the oil prices going up. All right, so we've hit currencies, we've hit commodities. Time for one more C, Ryan, and that is crypto. Predictions for where Bitcoin could move this year, they're all over the place. I'm not going to force you to take a side on this. But Goldman Sachs says Bitcoin could reach 100,000 US dollars a token this year. Not going to force you to take a side, but I will force my guests to take a side at about 10.05. But tell me, what do you think? Quite a polarizing debate. Wow, this is quite a bold forecast because Mm. I've seen numbers being thrown up. It could be 100,000, it could be half a million, but without a timeline. So if they are sticking to the timeline, it really means uh, they could be... um, well, we'll see what happens. So something that will continue to be uh, closely watched because Bitcoin and by extension cryptocurrency has been the um, flavor of the year. And this is with metaverse talk, NFTs and everything else to do with cryptocurrencies uh, that has really helped Bitcoin prices. Um, the other factor that seems to be gaining ground, at least the theory, is that it's a good store of value. When you think about inflationary pressures, some people think, hey, Bitcoin Bitcoin, um, could help just um, buffer some of those erosion of um, currency effects, especially if you're not holding on to the US dollar. And Mm. this includes the likes of uh, Latin American countries and maybe some of the emerging countries as well. So something that might gain more ground as we see rate hikes support the US dollar and in turn, 
just weigh on the other currencies. Coming up, I speak with my guests about this price prediction at 10.05. And we also ask if 2022 could be the year we see more regulations in the crypto space and what impact that could have on the price of Bitcoin, which closed $46,311.20. Last I checked, up 1.08%. Okay, before we check in on how markets are doing this morning, Ryan, a couple of quick headlines and a question for you, listener. Which company is the top-selling automaker in the U.S.? Now, if you guess GM, who traditionally holds the top spot, well, guess again. What's the answer, Ryan? All right. It is a new company at the top. It is Toyota. They have now the crown as America's top-selling automaker in 2021. And this is the first time Mm -hmm. since 1931 that they have um, been at the top place. And it's the first time the best selling company in the US is not an American company. So this is quite a milestone and is a reflection of how Toyota has been handling 2021 better in the front or in the sense of supply chain issues. So this could be a bit of a case study and it's worth noting that Toyota um, actually popularized the just-in-time supply chain model where everything just moved according to when you needed it and avoided companies from stockpiling stuff. And that actually was one of the reasons why many companies um, with that model started to face pressure. <clears throat> but it seems like, excuse me. Mm. All right, we'll let Ryan catch his breath for a minute. In the meantime, a quick question, uh, fun fact for you. Did you know that of the nine millionaires who drive Toyota Priuses, two come from uh, Google? So Sergey Brin from Google, uh, net worth $54 billion. He drives a Toyota Prius and so does Larry Page, Google's co-founder and CEO of Alphabet. All right, Ryan, have you, have you caught your breath? Yeah, so it's been a breathtaking day so far <laughs> for the news. So you've got Toyota now just you know, readjusting its procedures and protocols <sighs> so much. So you no, know, it's just a reflection on how nimble it is. And they have now just taken first spot in um, the US. So we'll see if GM can you know, catch back up with yeah. Toyota in 2022. Have you driven a Prius? Not or a yet. Toyota? Uh, yes, a Toyota, yes, but nice not a try. Prius. Nice feel. I mean, I was just in a Prius, um, you know, being being moved. Uh, well, you know, it was a grab, I believe. And I thought, oh, what a li- lovely, comfortable ride. I heard it was quite quiet. Uh, yeah, it wasn't the unearthly quiet of an EV, but it was still very comfortable. Next up, we've talked a lot on this show about self-driving electric cars, even electric boats, but it seems that another autonomous vehicle is set to beat them all and be the first out of the gate. What is it? Yeah, it's a sign that robots are going onto the farm. <laughs> so self-driving vehicles are moving off the roads into the fields. And this is from the largest farm equipment maker in the world, Deer & Company. They are one of the Dow components. So they have unveiled a fully autonomous tractor and no, the future is out there. No, what could be the limits to autonomous farming? I'm sure one day you'll see farmers with mobile phones, iPads and... Taking a bit of a break. Robots. I'm not sure what else is going to be the... Um, uh, invention or innovations that we could see in the fields. Let the robot do the hard yards. That's where I think, you know, a self-driving vehicle is best suited, an open field. Now, one more headline before we check in on Singapore stocks, and this has to do with Singapore's COVID rating by the U.S. The U.S. Center for Disease Control has downgraded Singapore's COVID status to unknown. So this puts Singapore in the same category as Afghanistan, North Korea and Syria. Previously, we were ranked at the CDC's highest risk level. So, 
I guess the question is, will this downgrade affect investor sentiment? Yeah, not every day that Singapore gets grouped with those uh, three other countries. Mm. Uh, but for some reason, um, the US has um, upgraded the alert level to higher than it already is, which is the well, supposedly highest. So here you have markets for now shaking off those headlines. You've got the STI in the green by 0.4%, 3,194. And this is amid a rather subdued session across Asia so far following a mixed night on Wall Street. And looking at where we are for the STI, pretty much split across the middle. Uh, right at the top, we've got Hong Kong land up 2.2%, followed by SGX with a 2% gain. Um, Dairy Farm, Genting Singapore and Maple Tree Commercial Trust, interestingly, is now back up by 1.1%. Okay, let's take a look at the bottom. We've got Capitaland Integrated Commercial Trust down 1.4%. Um, Semcorp Industries is down 1% at 204 interestingly so because it's in the news um, for signing a 12-year agreement to supply power to Indian state Andhra Pradesh. So despite that, it is down. Uh, looking at other movers that we could be watching closely through the day, Marco mm-hmm. Polo Marine is up by 3.6% at 2.9 cents. It's in the news for venturing into green ship recycling. And another one to watch out for will be Cromwell European REIT. And they are in the news for acquisitions in the UK and the Netherlands uh, following this morning um, to the tune of 57.8 million euros. And looking at where we are for Cromwell European REIT, it is in the green by 0.4% at 2.54. All right. Well done. We're about 26 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index off to a great start this year. It jumped 1.5% yesterday to close at 31.81. That is its second straight daily gain. DBS led the way. Singapore's biggest bank rose nearly 3% on the back of an RHB analyst report. That forecasts a pretty good year for financial institutions, which it expects to benefit from a strengthening economy and rising interest rates. How's the STI trading this morning, Ryan? Yeah, we've got STI just above water right now by 0.4%. I think one of the things uh, other stocks to watch out for will also be uh, the likes of Capitaland Investment. And they were up over 5% yesterday to $3.66. And that is after... DBS initiated coverage with a target price of $4. So something to watch out for to see if um, Capitaland can continue with its gains right now. And it's extending those gains is up by 0.8% at three sixty right, Thanks very much. We'll let Ryan go. Lubricate his poor throat, which has been hard at work since 6 a.m. Thanks, Ryan. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.